Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the Geoholics podcast. Each week at the beginning of this podcast, this segment explores contemporary geospatial news, innovative technologies, geographic-related controversies and hardships, funny stories, history, and so much more. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolofsky. I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial Sherpa. A bit of current events for this POB segment. On February 17th, GPS World reported that Russia is likely expected to ditch the global positioning system GLONASS for a terrestrial-based, low-radio-frequency system similar to Loran-C in the event of Ukrainian invasion. Based on current military doctrine, Russia assumes that all global navigation satellite systems will not be available once a battle begins, so alternative methods of navigation and positioning are needed. According to Russia and the CIS radio navigation plan, the terrestrial Chaika system, a version of Loran-C, would be used in the event of a war. This system coincidentally is well positioned to service Eastern Europe and the Black Sea areas. Estimates guess that the accuracy of the Russian system would provide between 20 and 50 meters over most of Ukraine and even up to 5 to 10 meters potentially. It would be safe to suggest that in the event of a larger conflict, it would be wise to monitor the status of the world's different GNSS constellations. It could very well be that some of these select service satellites may no longer be available to the public. Remember, just because it is not happening local to you doesn't mean it won't influence your life or business. Geopolitical events halfway across the world may have profound and lasting effects for all of humanity. Let's pray that calmer heads prevail and the road to war is mitigated, because if not, GPS may not be the worst thing to worry about. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. can't wait any longer. Shoots is back. I'm glad to be back. Let's go. Good to see I, you, buddy. I've missed you guys oh, way man. too much. We missed you as well. Welcome back, Geoholics. Oh, the memories, that song. I got a good story <laughs> for that song after Connor uh, brings us up to speed on it. But um, Shoots is back. Yes. This is big time. Bienvenue. Welcome. Yes. I'm glad to be good here. Good to see you. You're looking yes. good, my friend. I don't know about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Gosh, we we have had a busy last week. We released two different episodes last week. Good job, Connor. The Geo Week recap, of course, and then our regular episode with uh, with Adam from Airworks. Um, the Geo Week thing was like three hours yeah. of content. I saw that. I was like, holy shit. Like, so for those of you that listen, like start to finish to that episode, thank you and God bless you. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, that's like our first 
you know, Geoholics Roadshow episode or whatever. Um, so seriously, I'd, I'd love to get some input. So anybody that's listening, if you have any suggestions of things we can do better or whatever, shoot us an email at info at the geoholics.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we do have a couple other appearances coming up in the near future. We have the Western Regional Survey Conference, and that's March 30th through April 2nd, Correct. I believe. And then um, we'll be making an appearance at the Carlson Go West Conference. That's in Denver. Mm-hmm. That's April 4th through the 6th. Um, we have an invite to the TopoDot User Conference, which is May 10th through the 13th in Florida. And then, then we have a little break in the action, but Trimble Dimensions is November 7th through the 9th back in Vegas. We'll definitely be there. Damn, so, Geoholics for Hire. Yeah. That's I, the way I look at that. I, I got to get my Southwest uh, miles up. Hit us up if you want us to add value and make friends <laughs> at your uh, at your <laughs> event. We'd love to be there. At your next bar mitzvah. <laughs> exactly. and you know, count us in. Yep, yep. Um, we're, not, we're not picky. We got to get to Cameo <laughs> soon. <laughs> All right. Uh, opening number, Connor, tell us who that was. Yeah, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Big and rich is an American country. Big and shoots. Big and shoots. <laughs> uh, There's American country music duo com- composed of Big Kenny and, and John Rich, so so Big Shoots, uh, <laughs> both of whom are songwriters, vocalists, and guitarists. Before the duo's uh, foundation, Rich was a basket bass guitar bass. I've been, I've, been, I've been thinking about fishing recently. Uh, bass guitarist in the country band uh, Lone Star. Fun fact. Uh, used to go to church with the the sound guy at Lone Star. Look at that. Everything uh, happens for a reason. Yeah. While Kenny was a solo artist for Hollywood Records, their first studio album, Horse of a Different Color, was released in 2004. This album produced four straight top 40 country hits, including the number one 11, Save a Horse, Ride a Big Shoots, uh, <laughs> Ride wish. a Cowboy. The duo, <laughs> the duo has won multiple Billboard Grammy, CMA, CMT, and ACM awards over the years. So here's my big and rich story. I was in Iowa City. Um, let's go back a number of years watching a Iowa Northwestern football game. Of course. And after the game, of course, we had to go downtown and you know hit the strip and whatever. And we we're in this bar. I have no idea. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. But it was two stories. And that was back when this song was so freaking popular. It's like it would come on and people would like you know lose their panties. It was nuts. So this song comes on and it's like every girl in the bar is like just going nuts and everything. I was like, oh my god, to be young again. <laughs> right? Let me guess. Let me guess. Iowa rolled Northwestern in that game? Oh, yeah, they did. Yep. Yep. When the yep, song came sure. on, did you lose your panties? I, I know. I kept them on. <laughs> I kept them on. All Shots. right. Here we are in the Diamondback Land Surveyor Studio. Good to be here from, uh, well, kind of cloudy Phoenix, Hi. Arizona today. Beautiful today. I loved it. But this happens like six times a year. Yeah. Right? That it like rains all day. And I love it, but... My sinuses don't because it's like the pressure moves in, blah blah blah, and it's like my head's a freaking wreck. So, but it was it was great to see see some rain. Now the cool front is blowing through, as they say, up in Pine. They got like fourteen inches of snow, which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, and the rest of the week's gonna be beautiful. Innings Festival this weekend. Oh, is that this weekend? This weekend, yeah. The Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters right? on Saturday. Right. Yep, I'm a bachelor this weekend, so yeah. I may be making an appearance at Innings Festival solo. Sign in some autographs. I don't know about Hall that. Pass that. included? Hall Pass included. Oh! Yep, Hall Pass included. <laughs> sure. um, but I, I actually chatted with TK via text uh, yesterday evening, 
as a matter of fact, him and uh, Amanda, all right, a little group chat. And uh, TK is actually, he's doing some mentoring on the side. He's got Mentoring Mondays, of course, which is a huge success. Anybody listening, please check out Mentoring Mondays. You're missing out if you're not. But he's doing like some consultation type things, let's say, is my understanding. Okay. So, you know TK, he's giving back uh, every chance he gets. So I don't know where he finds the energy. Oh, or the time. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know how the hell he does it, but I commend him. <laughs> All right. Let's shout out to this week's friend of the program. Shoots, are you ready? It's been a while. I, I, <clears throat> me, 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 me. Connor I'm will ready. tell you, reading is hard. <laughs> reading is hard. Uh, this week, it's Extreme Aerial Productions. Mr. Mark Taylor is the man over there. Uh, founded in 2014, Extreme Aerial Aerial Productions is a professional aerial drone video and photography company based in Scottsdale, Arizona. They work in all 50 states, are FAA approved for commercial drone operations, and backed by the best aviation insurance money can buy. Extreme Aerial... Ugh, can't get it out of me tonight. Extreme Aerial <laughs> Productions is a seven-person team passionate about capturing the perfect shot from taking drone footage... For a simple building survey to creating an aerial video that captures an epic action shot for TV or film, our fo- their focus is on telling the most captivating story. Extreme Aerial Productions is committed to delivering the best results for their clients by being attentive to their needs and adopting a detail-oriented and professional approach. Their years of experience in the industry and the highest-grade drone equipment available means... Their clients receive the most professional photography and videos. Their motto is, we tell stories with drones. You can go find out more about them. I'm not going to do this. Yes, you can. You know? ExtremeArealProductions.com. <laughs> True pro. I left that www stuff off. And he's doing the read and checking text messages at the same time. It's going the guy off. is a pro. It's going off. I, I get distracted. What can I say? You know what it's time for now. Hmm. Uh Connor's weekly words of wisdom. Oh boy! No. What you got, Connor? What you got this week? <laughs> Boom! Self-acted, enacted. Self-praise is for losers. Be a winner. Stand for something. Always have class and be humble. Boom! I love it. Who said that? Uh, well, I know who said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. John Madden. Yep. Back when he was the Oakland Raiders. Recently deceased, John Madden. Ah, oh, so sad. Did yeah. you see that special on John Madden? Uh, I have not watched it. You should you should take a look at it. Really? It's, it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, what an icon, right? Him and Pat Summerall. That's my childhood. Indeed. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, but I, the thing I like about that, always have class and be humble. So many people struggle with humility, and it's ultimately their downfall. Mm-hmm. Excellent. See it all the time. Let's catch up with the boys. What do they say in football? Act like you've been there before. Act like you've been there. Our, our guest this evening, I'm sure, is going to confirm that. <laughs> um, shoots. You want me to go first? I want you to go first, man. Oh, I mean, man. I've been waiting for this for weeks. I've what, missed what, you. I don't even know what to say. I, you know, it's been too long. I miss you guys. Yep. Um, I, I have a lot to say, but not much to say at the same time. Fair if enough. That makes any sense? It makes perfect sense. Uh, still living the dream with uh, the new job. I guess it's not a new job anymore. It's, sure. It's old hat at this point. Yep. Still playing some golf a little bit. Still playing golf, uh, playing better actually. Ooh, how's that driver? It's excellent. Really? Yes. Nice. Uh, it definitely feels way different than the Callaway. The Ping has a yep. little more of a of like a ping. A, yeah, exactly. Yes, it exactly. Does that, it does yeah. have that that sound yeah. to it, but um, 
most of the golf I've been playing have been on the smaller courses, so I haven't pulled out the driver too much. There you go. But my four iron is solid right now. Bam. So love it. Um, other than that, just uh, spending time with the family. I, I like I said, uh, taking a little break from this guy, this with you guys, but I'm back and love uh, it. Yeah, we'll go right. from there. And I don't want people to be alarmed, but it just so happens that next week's show, you're going to be out of town on business. I can possibly zoom in if, if I, needed. I think we're going to be recording from a bar. Oh, yeah. It's going to be mind. a little messy. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not going to zoom in for that then. If it was, yeah. if you guys were sitting in here, I could do it, zoom. Yeah. But uh, no, I will be in lovely, I guess we'll call it that, Oklahoma City. Sounds amazing this time of year. Uh, yeah, no, it was, I was supposed to be there right now, but <laughs> they got a freaking blizzard, so uh, I'm, huh? I'm instead sitting in the studio sweating with my sweatshirt on. Regardless, good to see you, man. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be back. I missed yeah. you guys. I'm glad you held down the fort. Of course. Connor, Connor's the man. I tried. I tried. We're all we, good. we definitely missed you, though. He's, yeah. he's no Jake yet. Yeah. There's no Jake. He's yet. almost there. He's getting there. Yeah. Collectively, we can replace Jake. Yeah. <laughs> it takes it takes a village. <laughs> what about you, Connor? What's new? Nothing much. Uh, you know, I went to a farmer's market this past weekend and got uh, Wagyu steaks. Oh, how was that? Oh, worth every dollar. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's yeah. a group. Sean Sean told me about it. Sean Faber. Oh, from up uh, north. Yeah, for yeah, yep. Prescott or Payson. I want to say yeah, it's yeah. Prescott. It's Prescott. Um, yep. This guy has a, a head of Wagyu cattle, and mm-hmm. um, I bought a couple different cuts, one one being a Denver cut, one being a, a New York, and then two others. But uh, no, it's great. It was like butter, you know, melting Which farmer's market did you go to? The Uptown Farmer's Market. Dude, it's like five minutes from my house. Is, oh. You need to call me when you're in the, in the neighborhood. Oh, I will. I will next time. Yeah, it was it was incredible because usually I go to yeah. the one in Old Town since I'm close. Like that I'm, one, I'm, I'm the in Uptown one is incredible. Oh, yeah, the whole It's like one of the best farmer's line. market like in the country. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So got, got some Wagyu steak. Did you bring the dog? Brought the dog. Huge That's dog thing. Huge dog event. Big dog event. Yes. Um, then after that, went and uh, grilled the steaks up at uh, Audrey's place. Nice. Uh, or her parents' place because they have a Traeger and, you know, a good good steak meal deserves a Traeger. Uh, and, and our dog went swimming, f- ironically, for like six hours. The dog loves water. Um, nice. Her name's Levi. She's a golden retriever. Next thing you know, her tail's lagging on the ground. Uh, found out that she has a swimmer's tail. Uh, so it's, it's when you, it's when you swim too much or in, or if you swim in cold water. So she swam a lot and in cold water. Um, so we just had to get, uh, Advil for her, but had this, <laughs> I spent two hours in an emergency, uh, vet hospital oh my God. Sunday morning and spent 200 bucks to get damn dog Advil. I never that- heard of such a thing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so that's that's what's going on in Goddard's uh, world. What about you? Kent? Oh man, good weekend. Um, went and saw our good friends at Black Moods. They played at the at the casino in the showroom. Sold it out, which is pretty exciting. It was great to see them just kind of playing like a headlining show themselves, and um, they did amazing. Of course, my report on the Olympics, USA curling. Um, didn't didn't shake out so well at the end. Not so much. No, no, they took fourth. No, yeah, they took fourth. Um, so it. lost money on on it because of you. Yeah, I lost a little money on that as well. And then the other thing is, uh, my latest rabbit hole on YouTube is these guys called uh, the Cartnarks. 
Have you heard of this? So, oh, yeah, yeah. The shopping cart Yes, parks. the yes. shopping cart guys. Yes. Like, oh, my God. They wear, like, this bulletproof vest, and it says, like, <laughs> cart narcs on it. And when people don't bring their carts back to, like, the cart corral or whatever, they, like, jump out from behind a car and, like, like totally put them on the spot. Like, what the fuck? Why don't you put your cart back? Blah, blah, blah. And they like, get into these arguments and stuff. It is freaking hilarious. <laughs> so uh, just some mindless TV if anybody's looking for that. Other than that, that's about it for me. Let's get on with this. Always looking for mindless TV. Oh, it's the best, right? <laughs> Although shoot just cut me off from YouTube TV. I did. Yeah. I cut myself off from it. I apologize. <laughs> it's, so, it, it keeps getting more expensive. It's like, ridiculous. When we started, man. it was like 30 bucks a month. And it's it like was up to like 70. 75. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did ridiculous. it was there a price increase on it? it several times. Son of a gun. I got in at 65 and I just don't check my, it's my like account for it. <laughs> Dang it's like it. No, it works, just like doesn't work in your favor. Up. They're like, oh, we added more channels. So it's going up, going up, going up. I'm like, screw yeah, this. Screw it. Yeah. Are you also like 15 seconds behind on in games and stuff of that nature? Or no. maybe it's my wife. I, I hard, yeah. hardwire it right into it. Yeah. And I'm like 15 seconds oh, yeah, behind yeah. everything. Yeah. And I, I hate it. Yeah. Can't yep. stand Same it. Same thing. Same thing. But it's so worth it. Yeah. I love YouTube TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I got a big decision to make now. Yeah, next streaming service. But I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I, it was a fun I, ride. I, I had appreciate to cut it. it off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now we, right. fin- we finally pulled the plug, and I'm like, I, I, I feel relieved. Totally understand. Stick it to the man. Yeah, no. We've been watching uh, Paramount Plus has all like the Nickelodeon shows of my childhood, so nice. I'm exposing Hudson to all that. Good stuff. Yeah. So we're watching that. So if you want Paramount Plus, I can give you my login Ooh. for that. Uh, let me think about that. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, our guest this evening, we have uh, Jared Aberderis with us. So you're thinking, who the hell is Jared Aberderis? Well, if you're from Wisconsin, you know exactly who this guy is, but a little bit about him. Born in West Allis, Wisconsin, moved to Watoma, Wisconsin when he was four, which is where he grew up. I think it's a really small town, like 2,500 people or something like that. So this is going to be part of the story. He attended um, University of Wisconsin-Madison. Go. Badgers. Badgers. Badgers, Badgers. yep. You know, a couple... A couple of my heroes have actually attended UW-Madison. You ready for this? Frank Lloyd Wright mm-hmm. attended there. I don't know if he graduated, but he attended there. And Charles Lindbergh oh. actually went there. there. That's some history. That place has been around for a while. And like J.J. Watt, right? And T.J. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sam Decker. <laughs> His hobbies include uh, just being outside. He loves hunting, fishing, and golf. His full-time gig is being a financial advisor to the stars. I just made that part up. I don't know if that's true or not. Played football as a walk-on, like I mentioned, at UW-Madison. And, get this, played for both the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions. His family is ultra-important, and he loves spending quality time at his family's hunting properties. Jared, welcome to the Geoholics. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, great to have you. A uh, quick little icebreaker just came to mind. Um, we're going to talk about your football career and a bunch of other things here briefly, but you're a wide receiver. If you had to catch the Super Bowl winning touchdown pass, would you prefer it be from Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? I mean, I got to go with my old teammate on that one for sure. <laughs> Yeah, take Aaron. Oh, man, that's awesome. So one thing I want to do is, you know, just kind of let's talk about your childhood just a little bit. I mean, you got such an amazing story, but I think it's important that we talk about, you know, kind of your upbringing. I know you, you were brought up in this really small town in Wisconsin. Talk about the influence that uh, your parents had on you and, uh, you know, the foundation yeah. they helped you help uh, establish for you. Yeah, it's huge. Um, grew up in a small town. Um, and I, so right now I'm married, have three little kids, one little one on the way. Wow. Um, and so, you know, 
living in a small town now it's you know looking back at my childhood and figuring okay why you know was I successful why was our class successful um, and it really came down to you know I think a leadership amongst our you know group of kids um, but that you know really came down from you know the parents that you know parented um, also were just involved in everything and so uh, making sure that we were doing the right things and, and making sure that we were hanging out with the right people too. So um, really good family structure for me, which, you know, it's a blessing for sure. Not everybody gets to, to have that. You can't really choose your family. So um was blessed to be um, in a great family, two older sisters, uh, my mom and dad, um, you know, and I think for us, it was, you know, our faith was important too. So just being yep. involved in different, you know, churches and whatnot. And, and just that, I think accountability that brings as well um, is important. So, um, yeah, it was a really good good childhood. Um, but yeah, blessed to have good parents that that were involved and wanted to be, um, you know, part of everything that I did. That's awesome. I mean, the, the the one word that sticks out there is accountability, and you know that was established at a pretty young age, which is super important. I think there's a lot of kids these days that don't grow up with that, obviously, and right. uh, as a result, unfortunately, don't seem to think that they're responsible for much of anything when it comes to their actions. <laughs> For sure, 100%. <laughs> right? So you're, let's, let's talk a little bit about your football career. Um, you're pretty much, I don't know, gosh darn, a legend in the state of Wisconsin. Um, early career highlights. Obviously, you had to start somewhere. I don't know if they called it Pop Warner in, in your town. I'm from Chicago originally. It was Pop Warner. Yep. Um, yep. Did you do the same type thing for you? Yeah, so we had Pop Warner. Um, I think our class was the first one to start it. Um, I don't, I don't even remember what age that would be. Maybe you know, third, fourth grade. I don't even yeah. remember when we started, but um, we were one of, the, one of the first classes to start it. Watoma well, football was terrible before we, um, you know, really before that program started, and then our class um, got there. I think I don't even think they won a playoff game. Uh, maybe they won like one in in the whole entire program history. So. Um, yeah, that was huge. Um, just the development that that gave us, but I think, um, to just, you know, just having a group of guys that really wanted to do something, um, mm. set goals, worked hard for them. And that was, you know, really big for us. So, um, yeah, started with Pop Warner, you know, had, we always had good teams and whatnot, but, um, you know, obviously we had the the success at the high school level, which was, you know, more important than I would say at the, at the younger age. I think it's more about just having fun, enjoying each other's um, company and enjoying the game and learning, um, you know, that type of stuff, just having fun. But once you get to high school, it's obviously a little bit more serious. So it's my understanding you made a prediction when you were five years old. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know if I made a prediction. It's just, you know, it was my dream to play in the NFL, you know, and I think growing up, and I don't know if that's what you're referring to or not, mm-hmm. but, yep. um, you know, I think, and I don't know if it's every Wisconsin kid's dream, sure. you know, growing up in Wisconsin, play for the Packers, but um, always, you know, felt like I was, you know, or when the Packer game was when the Packer game was on, I'd always go in at halftime and like play catch, and I'd be a receiver. Um, so that's just something I always wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and kind of crazy because all the way up, I was a receiver. Come freshman year of high school, I was still a um, receiver, but our quarterback broke his thumb in practice, and we didn't know he broke his thumb. We didn't have a backup quarterback, um, just a smaller program, and so the coaches you know, looking around like, who's going to play quarterback? And I'm just sitting there like, I'm not. Nobody else is saying that. I'm like, whatever, I'll do it. I don't care. So I'll do it. And I didn't even know the snap count, you know, because I'm a receiver. I'm not really listening to the snap count. I just watched the ball. So I'm up there just making up blue 42, you know, <laughs> just making stuff up. Get to school the next day. And the coach is like, hey, you know, Brandon broke his thumb. You got to play quarterback. 
Um, and we had a game the next day, so we basically just did a bunch of running plays and whatnot. But ever since then, I stayed at quarterback. So I was like, well, it's just, you know, my dream's kind of done. You know, I'm a quarterback now. It's, you know, I wouldn't be a receiver anymore. How, um, how tall were you in high school? Probably like six foot. Yeah. Right about the same. I mean, I don't yeah. know. But, you know, freshman, maybe I was a little bit smaller, but, yeah. um, you know, probably sophomore year, I was probably about six foot. So I'm, yeah. I was only like six one at my tallest. Probably, probably the same right now, maybe a, a little <laughs> bit shorter. I don't know. We'll see. Haven't uh, haven't had to measure myself in a while. They see you uh, shrink with age, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> back compresses. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. So back to your height. So you, it sounds like, you know, this, this group of guys that you played Pop Warner with, obviously you grew up and kind of went middle school, high school together. And once you got to high school, and as you mentioned, you know, you, you were the quarterback. You guys had some pretty amazing success, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, sophomore year, um, I think we won a playoff game for the first time. Um, and then that year was the year that I actually broke my femur. Um, and, and my ACL kind of popped off the bone. Um, so we had to put screws back into the femur. So the ACL back on, um, but that year we actually won a playoff game, um, which was, which was great, obviously, but it, for me, it wasn't all that fun kind of watching on the sideline. I got to play like nine games and missed the last like three. Um, but yeah, so that was a major injury for me, but we had, you know, success that first year. And then, um, you know, second year did a little, or junior year did a little bit better. Um, and then senior year, we ended up winning state. So we was able to achieve, you know, kind of our dream as, as a, a group of kids growing up. So coming from a, a small school like that, I mean, Wisconsin, I'm sure is, I don't, I don't know. Would you consider it a hotbed for football prospects or what, what's your take on that? Um, probably not. Maybe, yeah. maybe some linemen. But no, I wouldn't say it's like a hotbed for sure. Um, seems like basketball, we actually get a lot of prospects out of, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the ratio is compared to other, um, you know, states, but yeah. Um, yeah, there's some players, you know, each year that end up going somewhere and, and have success. And we've had obviously, you know, players in the league, um, right. you know, pretty often, but I don't, I don't want to say it's, you know, greater than like Texas or California or sure. Florida or you know, some of those other states. I guess my point is, you know, coming from a small school, rural Wisconsin to get a, uh, a, a scholarship at a, at a school like university of Wisconsin has got to be beyond challenging. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just you get overlooked. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of, I mean, really for football, there's there might be like one D2 school, um, mm-hmm. if that. So I think, um, you know, I think a lot of guys just end up walking on because they want to play at the highest level um, mm-hmm. or they go D3. And I think that's why you see a lot of our D3 programs are always the top in the nation because, you know, a lot of these guys that, you know, e- could either play D2 or um, – you know, maybe go D1, just want to stay home. Um, and then they play at these D3 schools. And so I think that's why you see like Whitewater, Oshkosh, a lot of these programs always in the top for the, the D3. Mm-hmm. How tough How tough is it to go from a walk-on to a scholarship athlete? Yeah, no, that's tough. So for me, um, I was a really good track, track athlete too. Um, so I broke both state records in the hurdles. Um, in high school, we won state um, my senior year as well. Um, One tenth or 300? One tens and three hundred, so I broke both state records. Um, so I was actually, for me, it was you know, what sport could get me to compete at the highest level. Mm. And so for for me, that was what I wanted to do. I was like, hey, I just want to compete at the highest level. 
Um, had an opportunity to run track at Minnesota um, on a scholarship there. Um, obviously, you know, the way track scholarships work, they're just a lot smaller. You get like percentages or whatever. Yeah. Um, so for me, I just, you know, I was like, okay, I'd rather, I'd rather be at Wisconsin. You know, I went and visited both schools and whatnot um, and just felt like it was a better fit. So I ended up deciding to walk on um, for track. I was going to be the decathlete at Madison. Um, and then summer before I went, I just emailed coach Bielema. He was our coach at the time for Wisconsin. And I said, Hey, I'm coming here for track. Um, can I walk, for, walk on for football as well? And, you know, that's kind of how I started. So it was, you know, I was going to do both sports, but didn't really realize the time commitment that, um, you know, football was being a year round sport. And then on top of that, if I was you know going to be a decathlete, that's a little bit more than just running sprints or something like that. So, just decided, you know, once I got into football that I didn't want to just be somebody um, in both sports. I'd rather try to be, you know, the best I could be. And I, and I think at that level, it's, you know, it's okay to focus on one sport for sure. I think, in, you know, in the younger years in high school and whatnot, it's it's still good to kind of be in different sports. But um, obviously at that level, you start to be more of a professional in your sport. So what did it take for, the, for a coach to take you seriously as far as walking on uh, for football? Um, yeah. So, and kind of to go back to that question too, Connor, um, you know, it's, it's hard because as a walk on, you got to think of it as in a business sense. So if you're an employer and you're paying some guy thousands of dollars a year to work for you, like they got to be successful. Otherwise you're a failure as, you know, a recruiter or whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be. So it's not that it's not fair. It's just, you know, scholarship guys are going to get a little bit more opportunities because, you know, they're a little bit more invested in those guys. And not that these coaches don't want walk-ons to be successful. If you're a player, you're going to play regardless. But it's just you get less opportunities to to show your worth, I would say. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely hard. Um, you got to take advantage of every opportunity you get. Um, it's doing the little things right in practice, um, you know, in the meeting room, in the weight room nutrition off the field. I mean, it comes down to really everything, being a good, um, a good person in general, but then, you know, being able to show that you're accountable and you can, um, you know, do what they ask and then also perform when, you know, the, the spotlight's on you. So, um, it's really taking advantage of each opportunity and then hopefully you get another opportunity from that. And then that just starts to build and build and build. And once you get a little bit of a resume, you know, behind you and they can see that you've been able to compete um, and perform how they want. And then that's when you start to, you know, get that playing time and opportunities, you know, and the games. So when did things change for you? When did, um, like, obviously, you know, you went through that process and you earned a spot on the team. What, yep. what was that like? Yeah. So it wasn't like a tryout per se. I mean, I think as long as, I mean, you have talent and you can, you know, participate and be, um, like I said, a good person and, you know, do everything you need to and, and work hard and be basically a practice dummy. I think you're going to be there. Um, they didn't really have like a, a, a trial, like, Oh, you made the team. Um, mm. It's just, you know, if you're not, you know, I, I guess they would consider it more of a preferred walk on. Mm. Um, so it's basically, you know, you're on the team just without a scholarship. Um, oh, wow. Yep. So that's kind of how that works. Man, what a commitment at that point. You know, you got all these all these players that are on scholarship and I don't want to say entitled or whatever, but then there's guys like yourself that um I mean gosh, I mean just heart of a champion as they say, you know, like you're not gonna outwork me, that type thing. I mean that that's kind of yep, what what I'm envisioning. Sure. But I think that's, you know, why 
you know, a lot of programs, especially Wisconsin, you know, likes having, you know, a lot of walk-ins because they show, you know, like the work ethic that it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that scholarship guys don't have work ethic because most, most of them do, but I just think it brings a different, you know, perspective um, where, you know, these guys are working as hard as they can and they're not even, you know, getting their school paid for or, you know, whatever extra money you'd have for, you know, your house and whatnot. But mm-hmm. yeah, it just brings a different mentality too. And the guys, you know, I think every time that a, a, a walk on earns a scholarship, I mean, the guys around the team, you know, they love that. Um, it's, it's just a lot of fun to be a part of that team. And when, you know, somebody that's been working hard as part of actually the games and, 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 you know, I guess bring something to the table um, when they earn that scholarship. It's pretty cool. So you obviously, you know, fast forward made a, a, a very successful collegiate career out of this. I mean, how how did you go from being a walk on to like making the senior bowl for that matter? I mean, that's pretty yeah. amazing. No, I, I sucked right away, to be honest. Cause I was a quarterback. So I didn't, you know, like we switched to receiver right away. Cause I, I mean, I threw the ball, but it's, you know, small, you know, small football talent. It's like, you just throw the ball up to a decent receiver and he'll go get it. I mean, you obviously got to be able to throw a little bit, but it wasn't like I was a precision passer or anything. Um, but I, you know, I did a lot more running and whatnot. And so, um, you know, we switched to receiver right away. Um, but I haven't, you know, I didn't catch a pass for four years. And so, um, just getting used to that again. I mean, it took, a, it took a long time. I remember one practice. I mean, I dropped probably eight in a row. Um, you know, and I think part of that too, just comes down to, um, you know, the mental side of it. I mean, if you don't, you know, if you don't have a belief in yourself, um, or if you kind of lose that belief, that's your, you know, your physical traits are going to drop as well. Um, there's a big thing about being confident. I think you gain that confidence through the work that you put in. And so, um, after that first year, um, you know, basically redshirted, um, you know, put a lot of work in with the backup QB. Um, we did a lot of work together and that off season just, you know, did a lot of work. Um, and then that, that first year, so my redshirt freshman year, um, it'd actually be my sophomore year in school. Um, my first year eligibility, I actually started, I think I started maybe two games. We had some injuries and whatnot, but was actually able to play that first year. I was still a walk on at that time. Um, I think I had like 20 some catches, three touchdowns, like 200 some yards. So, you know, as a, as a walk on, as a freshman to have, you know, an impact was pretty cool. Um, but it, it, it just came with a lot of work, um, for sure. Now, what's your? What, I'm just curious of your opinion of this name, image, likeness deal that they have yeah. going on. No, I think it's I think it's tough. Um, you know, obviously, one side, like, you know, I think, you know, you look at some of the problems in the past with the NCAA, with some of like the athletes, um, you know, like some of the Ohio State guys that ended up, you know, trading rings for tattoos and things like that. Wow. Um, but I think, you know, I see it uh, at, at Wisconsin with being so cold and whatnot. You got guys coming from Florida and their scholarship basically pays for, you know, their lodging, their books and some food and whatnot. But it's like if they want to go home for Thanksgiving, like, they don't have extra money to go get a you know a plane ticket home or they don't have all this extra money to just go buy new clothes. And so I think when we were playing, I mean, shoot, that's a long time ago by now. Um, what's that? 2000 you know, nine through 13. So it's, you know, 10 years ago, basically, um, you know, times have changed, you know, since then. But when I was playing the scholarship, I remember scholarship guys always complaining and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, I'm paying for everything. You better stop, yeah. you know? Um, but then when I got a scholarship after my sophomore year, 
um, you know, I realized, yes, yeah, I mean, I was a Wisconsin guy, so it was easy, but it still was like, you know, it wasn't like you just had all this extra money sitting around and you don't have time to go get another job. I mean, we're working, you know, shoot, right. we'd be there from six in the morning, um, till, you know, 10 30 at night. And that was, you know, every day. And so, um, I think, you know, I think the scholarships did change after I was out. I think they had a little bit more for maybe some of those discretionary purchases and whatnot, but, um, you know, I think it's tough when you start to get to that point. I'm, I'm for the players for sure, um, 100%. But, you know, I think it, you know, does it become a distraction? I just wish they could have said, okay, maybe we can give extra amount of dollars, you know, each year. And like I said, I don't know what the what the actual dollar amounts were when I left, but I remember they did change them. So, I don't know, I say all that to say, you know, I'm always for the players. And I think, you know, hey, at the end of the day, it's the players, you know, they're on the line. But um, I think it gets into a tough spot tough situation when it becomes more of a, a professional, I think at that point, mm. um, but right or wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. And so um, just like anything, you kind of work with what you got and um, you know, there's always going to be different changes and whatnot. If it was in place when you were playing, would it have, would it have made a difference in any of the decisions that you made? You know, I think it, you know, the only difference is probably, I would say maybe time-wise, you know, if you're going to, Hey, I'm going to go do a, you know, an autograph signing or different things like that. Um, You know, and maybe even like the, I think maybe even like the stress, um, you know, on you as an individual to perform at that point, because if you're getting, you know, Hey, if I play well this game, I'm going to get a, you know, $20,000, you know, whatever, you know, signature, Mm. you know, whatever they, whatever they're getting, you know what I mean? It's like, I think it just, it's a little bit different where, you know, high school was probably the most fun because you just went out there and played and that you didn't think about anything else. Yep. You know, it's like yep. you're playing with your buddies. It doesn't really matter. College still kind of had that because, you know, you were going to be there with those guys for four to five years, um, depending on, you know, obviously guys can leave early and whatnot, but for the most part, you were that core group of guys that you were there with. You just didn't, you know, get to know them until you got there where in like high school, you knew those guys, you know, your whole life. Sure. Um, but in college, you know, then you just have a little bit stepped up cause you got, you're on TV, national TV every week and everybody's talking about you. And so you can, there's a lot of distractions that way. Uh, and then when you get to the NFL and now it's okay, shoot, if I don't perform, I'm gone. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's, that's just a different reality, you know, and I think that kind of, you know, possibly brings some of that into the college game where people are worried about performance. Um, you know, Hey, I, I might lose this car, you know, you know, whatever I have or, or whatever the cases may be of different yeah. um, agreements that they have. So that's the only thing I don't love about it is I think it just brings a little bit of that professionalism into it, which can add, add you know, added stress. Um, but then also just the time commitments and whatnot, but Hey, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And if, if players are going to, I'm always for the player, like I said, so. Yeah. Who was your, uh, who was the quarterback when you were at Wisconsin? I had a lot of them. Uh, first year, uh, Scott Tolzien. Mm. Um, so he mm. played in the NFL for a bit. He yeah. actually played with the Packers with me for um, a year, uh, maybe, maybe a year or two. Um, and then I had Russell Wilson for a year. So that yep. was my redshirt sophomore year. Um, and then I had, well, mix of guys. So it was Danny O'Brien, Joel Stave, John Budmeyer, um, Tanner McAvoy, <laughs> Kurt Phillips, 
I'm probably missing a couple to be honest, but yeah, yeah we had a couple. Um, Sounds so like yeah, a was, murderers row. Murderers row. Yeah. <laughs> they were all good players. It was just you know it's tough when you got you know especially at the quarterback position you want some stability and so sure. whether it was just um, you know guys getting injured or you know performance or whatnot. Um, you know all those guys are great guys and they're all good players. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, it just you know sometimes it just comes down to the mental side of the game which you know I think you see in the NFL for sure too where guys just you know they have the physical skills but it, sometimes mentally it just hmm. you don't have the confidence and that's why you know you don't see the success God he played with like three of the best deep ball throwers yeah other than Josh Allen of course but uh <laughs> yeah it, the thing about it Russell Wilson yeah. Rogers yeah. and Stafford yeah who, who throws the prettiest ball out of those three Man, they're they're all good. Obviously, I mean, I think at that point you're, I mean, what are you even yeah. choosing between? Yeah. Um, you know, I think each of them kind of has, you know, an edge. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, for me playing in, you know, I, I, it's probably biased just because I played the got to play the most time with Russell. You know, in Madison, you know, I played all whole season. It was like, you know the I was the guy basically. Me and Nick Toon, I think we're you know basically had the same amount of. Maybe I had a little bit more yards than him, but, um, you know, we basically won two there. Um, but just having the amount of time with him, I mean, it was – I thought he was incredible. Obviously, playing with Aaron, Hall of Famer for sure. Um, you know, Stafford, same thing. I mean, Stafford and Aaron are pretty, you know, pretty similar in that aspect of, of their talent. I think, you know, Stafford's heart is just huge. Um, I mean, you watch some of the, the, mm. the great performances mm-hmm. that he's – I mean, when, you know, I think, I think of the one time when he was, you know, even before I got there, when he basically got taken out of the game with yeah. like the shoulder, yeah. came yeah. back in, yeah. couldn't even move his arm and threw the, you know, the, was a two point conversion or whatever it was at the touchdown. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Aaron has such a, a, a good grip on the mental side of the game. I mean, changing plays at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's just the next level. I mean, he knows what defenses are doing before they do it. You know, he'll he'll be looking at the defense and be like, oh, you come down here. I know you're coming anyways. You know, and the defense guys are like, all right, yep, you got me. Um, but then the physical tools to be able to put the ball exactly where he needs to. I mean, all those guys are special. And then there's just a little bit of, you know, small differences between, between them that kind of, you know, I guess would set each, set each and every one apart a little bit differently. Is well, Devontae Adams one of the best route runners you've seen then? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Dude's incredible. <laughs> he's pretty incredible. Yeah, he's a, uh, I, I do have one question. You mentioned it just a second ago. Um, you know, kind of talking about the intangibles. I mean, there are, a, you know, a ton of amazing athletes at the college level. What What separates them? I mean, is it luck? Is it the, the, the yeah. man, what is it that allows them to take that next step and, you know, at least get an opportunity in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, even in the NFL, um, you know, I think there's obviously, and this is at every level, there's obviously like the, the one-offs, like the guys like, you know, JJ Watt or Aaron Donald, or, you know, some of the freaks that are like, okay, they're obviously, you know, they are way better than the next guy. But for the most part, you know, most of the guys are the same. There's guys in college that are probably better than me. I just didn't, you know, weren't able to perform, you know, just because whether they didn't have the confidence or, you know, um, mentally couldn't do it or, you know, there's just so many different things or injuries. I mean, there's so much stuff that, you know, goes through your head. I mean, you got, I think you look at a guy, um, even like Devante, I mean, look at, you know, look at people calling for him to be, you know, off the team second year in the league, you know, his, his skills didn't change. Um, It's just really, I think it's hard when you're not the guy, yet and there's a lot of pressure put on you to be that guy 
Um, you know, and you look at like what we had when I was drafted there with Devontae. I mean, it was, you know, Jordy and, and Randall were the two guys. So it's like, you know, if you get in every once in a while, like it's hard to kind of get in a rhythm and feel confident. And you just have, you know, you're almost worried about making mistakes because um, you just want to be there so bad. But yeah. once you become established and you're like, well, it doesn't matter if I make a mistake here because I know I'm going to be on the team because I'm the guy, um, then you can play freely and you just don't make those mistakes, you know? And so I think it all comes down to confidence. That's what I was kind of getting at earlier. Yeah. Um, and I think you see that, I mean, with a guy like, like Devontae, I mean, he's the best in the league, no doubt. Um, he always was. It's just, he just, you know, being a young guy, it's hard to have that confidence because you're just trying to make the team, you know, you're trying to show your worth rather than just going out there and playing freely. Yeah. So I think that's that kind of long answer to the question and going um, around a little bit, but it, it honestly, I think comes down to confidence and just, um, you know, getting to that level where you don't have to worry, you know, mm. um, which is hard to do. I mean, I struggle with that in the NFL because it's, you know, you're always like the fourth or fifth guy. I mean, are you going to play ahead of Jordy or ahead of Randall or ahead of, you know, a second round pick and Devontae with the skills that he has? It's like, yeah. okay, well, if I'm going to get on the field every once in a while, it's just hard. It's just a lot harder, I guess. Does the media play a big part into the confidence of guys? Because you always hear like, you know, I tune out the noise and I feel like it's really tough because like – you made a point with Devontae, they were calling for him to be off the team, and then Jamar Chase in the preseason was dropping a couple passes, and they wanted yeah. to call him. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. No, I mean, I, you can let it get to you. I think I, I tuned out the media. It's just, you know, I think it's more so, like I said, on the level of, you know, once you feel like you can't be replaced, I would say, then, you you know, you just get to play freely. Um, but until you get to that place, which is hard to get to, obviously, um, you just feel like you're scrapping and, and clawing each 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 play. And that's in, in practice. I mean, shoot, if you make a mistake in practice, that could be your ticket out. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's just at that type of level. I think that's in all jobs. It's just magnified in the NFL because there's, you know, so little positions and there's so many guys that want that position. And so um, it just makes it a lot harder. But, you know, I think for the most part, if you weren't able to tune out the media, um, you know, you would probably wouldn't have made it to that level. You know, I think, you know, in the college, it's, you know, guys that probably had, you know, the skills, you know, maybe right. they couldn't tune out the media or something that kind of brought them down mentally. Like they probably just didn't make the NFL, but I think most guys in the NFL, honestly, we don't care what the media says. I mean, it's just part of it. You have to go through it and talk to the media and, you know, give your cliche answers and whatnot. And, um, but at the end of the day, it's like, I, you know, I never would look at, you know, what other people said, I mean, cause I could care less what other people thought it's, but it's, it's more so in the building, um, mm. that you care about so much stress and pressure coming from so many different <laughs> angles. It's like when you watch like the hard knocks thing and stuff, yeah. and you see like these rookies getting cut and stuff like that. It's like, man, it's, it could be crushing. Yeah, it could be absolutely. crushing. No doubt about it. I was, so, I always yeah. give the benefit of the doubt too to the players when I'm watching the media, like attack them or yeah. have some stupid, like I'm a huge bills fan, Jared. And so, uh, I was watching Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer like yeah. being called out during the like when they mm-hmm. lost to the Patriots the first yeah. time. And they're like, "Is this the guy?" Asked like, "Is this just embarrassing that you you're the first team in history to ever let this go?" And they're like, "We're the number one defense." Like, what the hell are you talking about? And they yeah. walked off. I'm right. like, "Good, yeah. good right. for them." Like, Freaking media. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. you suit up. <laughs> Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Bad days, and sometimes there's bad questions, but you just got to deal with them. But yeah, it, I think when you, like I said, if you're the one number one defense, like you have that power to be like, no, like we're number one, you know. But if you were like the like the last defense in the league, like for sure, then you got answers, you know. But they probably wouldn't be asking that anyways. But yeah, yeah I got to play. And Mike Hyde was a teammate, so it's crazy. Like mm. some of these guys are still playing. You know, yeah. it's like, geez. 
Underrated. I, I think I think that Micah Hyde's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's a he's a stud. Um, you know, he's always making plays and in the in the right in the right place at the right time. So he's a he's a good player. Good That's person. Buffalo, though. Really, really good person. <laughs> Well, that's good. Real quick, going back to your college days, uh, obviously you grew up in Wisconsin and you wanted to go to UW. Um, is it UW or is that Washington? Yeah, you, you do, we call it UW. Okay. I, mean, I think I think it probably you know everybody calls Mad- Madison's the important part. Okay, yeah, Madison. You wanted to be there um, with all the stuff. Even Russell Wilson, you brought up, he was a transfer, um, and that was yep. back before this like ease of the transfer portal. Um, hmm. Being a walk on. Would you have gone somewhere else if they offered you a scholarship, or were you stuck with Wisconsin? You know, I don't with, know. With I your mean, heart I think, over your mind. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. like you know, if in that position would it have been different. I mean, I think so. My like I said, first year redshirted, um, so redshirt freshman year. Second year, um, you know, redshirt freshman first year playing. I mean, I yeah, started two games was obviously a. a big part or not a big part of the team, but I had a part of the team for sure. Um, and didn't even earn a scholarship after that year, redshirt sophomore year. So my third year, I mean, I led the team in, in receptions. I mean, I had basically a thousand yards. I don't know how many touchdowns I had still wasn't a scholarship player. So I'm sure like at that point I was like pretty frustrated and not, you know, it's just, but it's just, you know, kind of part of it. Like, okay. Well, you know, am I going to get my scholarship or not? You know, it's like, so, I mean, I'm sure I probably, you know, would have thought about it, but I love, you know, love Madison and, and I, I, you know, it's like, okay, one semester, no, I probably wouldn't have done anything differently. If, if like out of high school, I got a scholarship somewhere else, would I I probably taken something for, I'm sure I would have just because it's, you know, it's thousands of dollars you're talking about, but um, you know, obviously God kind of had me where, where I'm at and um, everything worked out. So how, how as a walk-on athlete like that, who determines whether or not you get a scholarship? Is it the head coach's decision, or how? What what is that decision making process like? Yeah, and I I don't really know like the legalities of it because I mm-hmm. know, um, you know, basically he said like once I made the two deep, which I did my first year, like I get a scholarship. But then there's like, you know, there was a our, our class had a bunch of guys that that ended up earning scholarships because we just had a really, really good class again. It was just kind of cool uh, to be a part of that. But um, I think it was something with, you know, if you got a scholarship too soon, it would count against your original class. And I, like, I don't know the legalities of it. So I think we all, are, we were all basically on the 2D too quick that some, for some reason, messed something up. And I didn't really look into it. You know, it's like, what am I going to do? I can't change it. I'm not going to like, <laughs> you can't like hold out. Like, give yeah. me my scholarship. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. So, you know, we talked about humility uh, a little bit earlier, and I know you're not going to brag on yourself, but um, I <laughs> I did, you know, of course, some research uh, prior to the show and stuff like that. And some of the things that have been written about you, you know, obviously a Badger legend, um, arguably the best wide receiver of all time, um, you know, played in the Senior Bowl. I mean, what if you had to mention one or two highlights from your college career, what would those be? Um. I would say probably highlights would be probably two come to mind. Um, one was we welcomed Nebraska in the Big Ten, so that was like their inaugural oh, yeah. game. Um, is at Madison, and you know early on I had a fumble on uh, punt returns. I was a punt returner, and they ended up like you know 
on that, you know, possession or whatever, they went and scored a touchdown. I think they, they were up like 13, 10 or something like that. Um, but especially as a young player, because I was my red shirt um, sophomore year um, to kind of overcome that um, ended up having a couple of big catches, made a, a diving uh, touchdown catch from Russell. Um, I think that's the one that put us up. And then we ended up going on to beat them, you know, pretty decently, but um, yeah, it was a pretty cool memory. I think just from all the different things I mean, first time, you know, Nebraska in the big 10, you know, just overcoming some of that adversity, making a really incredible catch and, and kind of having a good game um, with that mistake early on was kind of cool. Second one would probably be um, just like as an individual accomplishment, just because the media made such a big, um, I don't know, like the whole week prior, that's all that like, anybody talked about is all the matchup between Jared Everdares and Bradley Roby, um, mm. who was the Ohio State uh, yeah. corner. And he projected to be like a first rounder. And I just, like, I didn't really, whatever. It's just, a, you know, it's just a matchup. It's just, it's not really me versus him. It's our team. Um, but you know, when it went into that game and I had like 10 catches, 200 some yards touchdown. Um, and it was, you know, basically all on him. He had like three <laughs> defensive pass interferences too. So it was like, I just, you know, I went to work. Um, and that was pretty, that was pretty fun. I think just, um, you know, for me to, to have like the individual success in that game, um, you know, just after everybody's kind of talking different things up when I didn't really, you know, care about it too much. Uh, but that was, that was definitely my best game personally, you know, on the college um, level. And those to have it at that stage was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. God, what a time to be at Wisconsin when he was there too. Like oh, the, I know, the, the basketball the basketball team was yeah. electric. I mean, you got Frank we the had, Tank there. Yeah, we that's had some. Right. Yeah. By the way, it was I won, pretty cool. I won a lot of it money was. on Frank the Tank this this past postseason. I love that guy. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's good having him here in Arizona. I think he's on the IR, not on the IR, but he's on the he's on the injury list. Yeah. I haven't followed basketball at all. Yeah, well, hopefully, I, you know, hopefully, I am a letdown of that. Sorry, <laughs> he's like he's like a fan favorite, though. You know how that guy is, and hopefully, we get him back for yeah. the playoffs for sure. So let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, we touched on earlier. You're a fifth round pick, I believe, from the Packers yep. in 2014, yep. and you mentioned that same same draft as Devonte Adams. And I read an article. It must have been like after your first camp or something like that. And this writer was saying how you were more NFL prepared than Devonte Adams was coming out of the draft. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. I love the humility. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's yeah. crazy. It's like, that's just shows to show you they don't know what they're talking about. So, no, I put every word on on like Stephen A. Smith. You know, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy right. knows exactly. Right. What he, I mean, Skip Bayless. They they know oh, what everybody about. can have the everybody can have an opinion. Doesn't mean it's right. Exactly. Yeah. What is the saying? Opinions are like uh, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's got one. Right? So, so how did you get into then financial advising from there? Yeah. So you know, obviously had four years in NFL. Um, so played with Green Bay and then Detroit for a year. Had opportunities to go play afterwards, but I, you know, at that time I had my two daughters and just wanted to give them their life. Um, didn't really want to bounce them all over the place. Kind of wanted to help um, mm-hmm. them build our roots back home and let them have their life too. So. Um, you know, when I was playing, I, you know, I obviously had an advisor and whatnot, but I would have some fun with some individual stocks and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so never thought of it as a career for sure. Um, but when I was done playing, I just had to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, and I think that's honestly the, you know, and it's probably anybody in, in every situation, whether it's, you know, you get let go from a job or, um, you know, you have a career change, you know, if you don't really have the next thing on your mind, it's, it's a tough spot to be in because you just, 
you know, I always say it for NFL, it's like you reach the pinnacle of your career at such an early point in your sure, life. Sure. Um, and really that was, you know, my whole life, not that I, you know, I'm obviously, you know, academics was important and community service and everything else, but sports was a large portion of my life for sure. I mean, you wake up, you eat, you, what are you eating for? Okay. I'm eating everything, putting my body is for my, my sport um, and, how I'm gonna, and how I'm going to perform. And so when, you know, you take away that passion and that, um, you know, thing that you've been putting everything into for their whole life. It's like, for two months, I didn't do anything. Cause I was like, I just want to relax for a while, but I felt like a bum because I didn't, I didn't have a, a direction or a purpose in my life anymore. Um, and it wasn't that my identity was in football. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really just got my identity's in Christ. Like I understand like the importance of that, mm-hmm. but you know, still as a, as a human, it's like, we have to have something that we're pursuing and, and really, you know, having goals for. And for me, I was a huge goal setter. And so, um, I gave myself um, really two months. Just I, I just put a time on it. I said, "Hey, I'm going to go to every interview that people want me to go to, um, whether I think I want to do it or not. I'll just whatever I'll interview. I don't care, just to kind of see, you know, what's out there." And ended up taking like one of the, you know, like the little test or pretest or something that mm-hmm. just checks your personality and whatever. And they're like, "Like your score on this is, you know, you need to be in this industry." Um, and so that got me thinking about it, but just wasn't the right fit and had ended up another company with thriving now, um, you know, had an interview with them after that. And it was just seemed like the right fit for me. Um, so yeah, I never thought of it as a career. Um, I was actually going to be a physical therapist. That's what I went to um, college for basically, um, had to kind of switch my major because, you know, a lot of the classes, um, were offered during practice. And at that point in my career, I saw that I had an opportunity to play in the NFL just because of some of my teammates like Nick Toon and Russell were in the league. So I had to make a decision. I'm like, well, you know, if I want to go to physical therapy, I'll, you know, do take these classes later. I, I would have to go back for like 12 credits if I wanted to be a physical therapist, um, but just didn't have that, you know, passion for that when I was done playing. Um, and so, yeah, I went to um, work with Thriving. So I've been here for shooting, just coming out, finishing my fourth year and starting a fifth year. Um, so yeah, you had to go get, you know, obviously all the different, um, licenses and things like that. And, um, you know, some of the experience, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really fun career. I mean, you're just helping individuals out and that's the, the coolest part about it. I mean, you get, you know, obviously you get paid to help people and, you know, be in their life and help them make, you know, wise decisions with, with their finances and with everything they do. So, um, never thought it'd be my career, but that's kind of the long answer to your question is just, I was somewhat into stocks and whatnot. And then when I had the interview, it just felt like the right fit. So let me ask you this. You mentioned, you touched on something there that I've always been very, very, um, curious about, you know, athletes like yourself that have made it to the pinnacle basically of the sport that you play in your case, the NFL, you know, you know, your career was four or five years in the NFL. I don't know what right. the average lifespan of an NFL player is, but it's not that long. I think it's three years. Yeah, yeah. Two and a half. The league average is two and a half years. See, that is insane to me. So you have this two and a half year on the average opportunity to, you know, make some money, whatever. But once that's over, it's like, I mean, it's a shock to the system. It's got to be. Yeah. How, how do you overcome that? Yeah, like I said, it was... You know, I think, and I always tell guys that, you know, retire now and whatnot. It's like, man, just, I mean, even, and here's the thing, even if you play 10 years, I mean, shoot, you're 30 years old, you know what I mean? Maybe 32 or whatever the case is. And so it's, you know, I remember listening to a retired guy. He said, you know, he had a lot of success, didn't need to work, um, you know, financially, he was, you know, stable and whatnot. 
but he's like, I just didn't want my kids to see me waking up at 10 o'clock and be like, Oh, that's how dad was successful. You know, it's like, you want to set a precedent for your kids to show them, Hey, like I, you know, that's, I didn't, I didn't achieve what I achieved, but I'm just being, you know, lazy and just sitting around. Like I got up early, worked out, you know, did different things. So that to me, like, regardless of how long you play, like guys need to do something, not that they need to, but I think it's important because I mean, that's just in our DNA as humans. Like I think, um, especially in athletes, I mean, just the competitiveness, um, you've always been goal setters to achieve like that level of success for sure. Um, you need that in life or otherwise, if you're not growing, I mean, what are you doing? So, um, you know, I think that's, what's kind of important is just having that next thing for sure. Um, you know, and you just have to do it. Um, and I think, you know, it doesn't have to be the right thing right away. I mean, I tell guys like, Hey, just get into something. And if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't jive with you, I mean, it's not like you're, you know, normal or, or you know, 30 years ago where you get in a company and you're there forever. It's like, Hey, you can bounce around if you need to, yeah. um, you know, just do something and you'll find what you like. But luckily for me, I found the thing that, you know, is really what I feel like I really enjoy doing. And so, um, you know, I feel like I'll be here, you know, until I retire again at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's important for guys to kind of find that next passion and put all of their efforts that they used to be putting into in that sport to achieve their level of success. I mean, put that into something else now. Um, and obviously the success will come with that too, I think. And it's ironic that you went into financial advising because um, so many of these athletes end up bankrupt, you know, just such a short time after their career is over with. Yeah. No, I think, you know, I don't know. Like, I would love to look at those stats. I, mean, I, I, I never really cared about it too much, to be honest, but I feel like, you know, okay. You know, are they taking like a guy that's on the practice squad for six months, you know, and made $30,000 or, you know, obviously you see like the big True. ones that, yeah. you know, end up yeah. bankrupt. So it's like, you know, you, we know what happens, but at the end of the day, is it a guy that played for a half, you know, one game and made $20,000 and are they using that as like, you know, part of it? I think the other part too is just, um, you know, it depends on the type of family that you were brought up into. Um, so, you know, for some individuals, if they didn't weren't brought up in a family that, you know, had some sort of idea of money of, Hey, saving, doing this and that, um, you know, I think that's a, a struggle for guys too, is, um, it just depends on if you've, you know, ever been exposed to it or some sort of, um, you know, idea of how to manage it. And so I think, you know, that's something that you don't have to be from a family of, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, millions of dollars, whatever the case, I mean, it can be just, you know, letting your kids get an allowance each week or month. And maybe that's just a dollar a month. I don't care, but just helping your kids understand, okay, let's save this portion. You can spend that and just helping kids, you know, create that early in themselves. Um, And I think, you know, so I think that probably plays into it a little bit as well. How hard is it as an athlete to to be surrounded by like enormous amount of money and then potentially, you know, you're on a rookie contract and these guys come in, they're young and they get into some money compared to in the past. But at the same time, you're not making 10 million dollars, 20 million dollar contracts. Right. No, I mean, obviously that's, that's the big thing. You don't, you don't really make any money unless if you're a first, second rounder, I mean, we're talking relative. Okay. I'm actually yeah. making good money for sure, but um, you're, you're not making money until your second contract um, for sure. And um, you know, obviously you got different fees with the agents. You got obviously taxes at that level is ridiculous. Um, you got a lot of different expenses and, and really it's, it's expensive too, because you got, you know, really your body is your, um, that's your job. And so like, you're putting a lot of money into that, the off season training, you know, doing all the different things and, and you're really spending lots of money. Cause it's like, Hey, I got to keep my body in top shape for sure. Um, so it, you know, it does cost a lot, especially in that first year when or the first contract, when you're not, you know, making a ton of money, if you're in a, 
expensive city. Like, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, but yeah, I think you gotta, you know, you can't be living like a hall of famer. You gotta understand, you know, where you're at, um, and what type of contract you're on for sure. Cause if you're trying to hang out with the guy that's been there for 15 years, making, you know, 20 million a year, it's a little bit different than you making, you know, 400,000 a year, <laughs> you know, you can't be doing the same thing. So you just gotta understand that for sure. Yeah. I'll, I can't help but think about Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Show me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I, when you got into the league, I know that this is like a popular thing they talk about now on hard knocks and stuff where the rookies, when they come in, they have essentially a financial advisor on staff to like, hopefully, you know, manage them and, and, and it, encourage them to be financially responsible. Yeah. Did you have that opportunity when you were a rookie? Um, so they didn't have like a guy that, you know, Hey, this is the guy you're working with. Um, you know, really through all the, the different process, like the combine, the senior bowl, um, they would have, you know, guys come in and, and, you know, so a lot of times like the, the combine, the senior bowl, I mean, there's a lot of things that go on. I mean, there's meetings beforehand with coaches, with doctors. I mean, there's a tons of different stuff going on. I mean, the competition part's the smallest part of those, um, those, those whole, you know, the combine and then the senior bowl and those events. But um, so they'll have like, you know, they'll have an advisor come in and just, you know, talk about, you know, hey, here's things to kind of look for, broker check, do all this stuff, um, you know, managing money. Um, they'll be talking about, I mean, everything from, you know, okay, distractions with um, whether it's women or it's, um, you know, like the party scene or, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, they talk about really everything to try at least get you exposed to that and understand the realities of different things and surround yourself with people that, um, you know, are going to put you in a better spot rather than bring you down. Um, but they, they necessarily don't have like somebody that's like, hey, this is the guy you got to use. I mean, I would say we usually contact somebody you know um, that does a good job or you'd like look to an older guy and be like, Hey, like, who do you use? Do you like him? You know, obviously that's, it's really how the industry goes. It's really who, you know, um, and it's, it's all about word of mouth. I would say. What was your uh, combine experience? Because that's become like an event now, kind of like the, you know, the draft is an event now combine yeah. is not far behind it. And I mean, I love watching the combine and for whatever reason, my oldest daughter loves watching it as well. And it's just because we're watching it rooting for the underdogs. And I have to believe when you went through, you were probably one of those underdogs. What was that experience like? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not what you think it is for sure. I mean, I think that's why you see a lot of these agents right now. I don't know if you've been reading up on it at all, but this year they're talking about like doing the bubble kind of, mm. um, and that's why agents are trying to get these guys out of it because, you know, the combine, I think, is, is really made to devalue guys. You know, they're trying to really get guys cheaper, yeah. um, for sure. And so, and I'm not like, you know, don't quote me on it, but I just think from the experience and just kind of seeing and talking to other guys, too, um, and I think that's why you see these agents getting, you know, these guys are trying to say, okay, don't do it. You know, don't do the combine this year because, you know, they're trying to have these guys fly in day one, do all these testing or whatever. You know, I, I didn't read up on it a ton for the, just this, this year individually, but, um, you know, I think, like, it's, it's not set up for success. I mean, you look at it, you get their day one. I remember, you know, it's like a three day event or four day event. Um, and we get their day one and right off the bat, I mean, you get off the plane and they make you do this. I don't even know what it is. It's like a stair master type thing to test your, I don't know, test your hamstring strength or something, but like you're sitting there on a plane and, you know, not doing anything else, you know, not really eating or drinking that good on the plane. 
um, traveling all day. And then you got to go to this dumb stairmaster, and your legs are sore for the rest of the week. Um, you got the, um, I remember we were, we woke up one, one day at like 4am to do a drug test. And it was like, you had to wait in line for like an hour and a half because everybody got up at the same time. It's like, oh, what, wow. what are we doing? You know what I mean? It's like, what yeah. are we doing up until, I mean, at night we would actually meet with all the teams. So, um, my receiver coach, Edgar Bennett for the Packers, he was there. I talked with him and they're grilling you. I mean, I remember him talking to him about a play, um, my senior year, he's like, what's your favorite third down play or fourth, third down play. I'm telling him to play, and it was actually from the year before because I didn't really love our senior year, our third down, really our offensive strategy I didn't love compared to the year before. And he's like, I didn't, I don't remember seeing that play. And so I had to like, I'm like, well, you have to go watch the year before. I'm like, because I explained them the situation. But these guys actually know what they're talking about for sure. Um, but we did meetings with those guys from 10 to like, you know, 1230 in the morning. And then you got to wake up at 430 to do this. You know, it's just I remember I given blood. I had to do like eight vials of blood one day. It was like, and I like, what, what are we doing all this for? Like, can't we compete? And, but, but really they do all that. I remember we had, we had to meet with every doctor and there was like five different rooms. So they had like, you know, the different teams, doctors in each room. And I mean, they would go through your injury history and check all your injuries. So like they checked my knee, like every doctor was feeling my knee. Um, so I had 32 doctors just yanking on my knee and, and make, and then the next day we had to go around. I couldn't even straighten my leg. My leg was so sore. Mm. Um, so it's like you, you wait till the last day after you kind of, you know, break these guys down and get them on a grueling schedule and then you make them go compete. I mean, it was still a blast. I loved it, but, um, it's definitely, I think set up to try to, to get guys cheaper for sure. Otherwise, why would you make it, you know, that type of platform like it should be okay get there and do whatever you want train get ready to go and then go compete but it's like all right let's just break you down all week and then try to make you go compete so we get you cheaper wow that's just my take on it i guess just sure. you know which is a different mentality because i you know you, you don't really know that unless if you were there ever so do all athletes have to take the uh wonder lick or is it just quarterbacks I had to take it. I think I scored pretty good on it. I just, somebody told me I scored good. You'd have to check my score, but God. yeah, I think, I think we all did for sure. I don't even know how you find it, to be honest. I think you could probably Google and search somewhere in some, you know, archive and find it, but I feel like agents just uh, blast it out when they have a good score or when they're, when their guy has a good yeah, score. It's know. like, I mean, I don't even know if that, yeah. I don't even yeah. know if that tests IQ <laughs> that well. <laughs> right. I, I thought I read somewhere going back to your uh, your high school play calling. Um, somewhere like once you got to be quarterback, the, the play calling was pretty simple. It was like Jared to the right or Jared to the left. No, we had we had other plays than that. But I mean, high school you don't really need. Like, yeah, we didn't really you know yeah. understand defenses or things like that. You're just you know get your playmaker because the ball and let them do their thing. Yeah. So one thing like we like to give all our guests an opportunity to do is to give a shout out to, you know, maybe, you know, some folks or mentors that, you know, made a, made a difference in your, in your life, your career, who would you like to mention? Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about it. Um, it was with my parents for sure. Um, you know, obviously wouldn't be, you know, here today without them and had the success that I did for sure. Um, but I think, you know, too, like we, we talked about earlier accountability. So, I mean, whether that's the guys that, you know, I grew up with or, you know, guys in college that you, you know, you end up building relationships with that keep you on the right, you know, path, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that was kind of huge in my life to just try to find those guys that want to be on the same track as you um, and are going to push you and, and guys that you can confide in. Um, so had a bunch of those guys 
guys along the way, whether, you know, with friends and whatnot. And then, you know, definitely had some mentors in, um, you know, some like athletes in actions and a Christian organization. Um, Brian Smith was uh, one of the leaders down in Madison and um, I would meet with him on a weekly basis. I think that just helps keep you grounded too, you know, with, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, okay, social media, things like that. How do you not let that impact you? And it's, it, the more you feed into that, it's going to impact you. But if you're not, if you're feeding into the right things, those things don't matter. Um, you know, those opinions don't stick, you know, they might hit you, but they just fall right off because you don't care about it. Um, so finding, finding your identity and the right people. And for me, that was Christ and just understanding like there's a bigger picture. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't worried about what other people thought as long as I was doing my best. Um, I knew he was proud of what I was doing. So um, I think that helps for sure. So there's a lot of different things, but everything, you know, I think is, is really revolved around my faith and then you know really just the accountability of people helping you get where you want to be yeah i mean I, i'm pretty excited you mentioned athletes in action i haven't heard that in quite some time i wasn't even sure if the organization was still around to be honest with you but i remember when yeah. i was young you know, like in high school and college and stuff like that i mean that was that was pretty amazing uh pretty amazing group of individuals them and fca fca yep. yeah FCA. yeah so both yep so they got both athletes in action and fca yeah um same kind of mission, just different organizations for sure. Yeah. How did everything you learned like throughout your, you know, your athletic career, how did that uh, translate into what is now your, your business, the the business side of your career? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, part of it, I'm a, so I'm a business owner and that's, you know, same thing within sports. It's like, you're your own business for sure. Um, it goes as you go. And I think that's, you know, kind of fun. It's, you know, obviously can be stressful at times. Cause it's like, Hey, if you're not performing, you're not going to have any success, you know? And so I think kind of having that mindset of, of understanding what you want to do, um, you know, moving forward, if you had those goals, um, goal setting is huge. And so I think that's, that's big for me. Um, you know, and the other things to learn, just doing things the right way. I mean, especially in this industry, if you're not treating people right, you're not doing things um, on the up and up, um, you know, you're not going to be in business long. There's just a lot of regulations and whatnot, too. So um, it's important to be, you know, somebody that people can trust. Um, and, and you got to prove that you know what you're talking about for sure. And I think that comes along with growth and in, in time for sure, too. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 being an athlete, being um you know, criticized and, and getting through the ups and the downs and showing the hard work. I and mean, I think all that pays off for sure. And everything you do. He's no Bernie Madoff or anything. <laughs> Don't worry. He's, he's on the up and up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> talk, talk. Oh, go ahead. Shoot. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask about goals for like 20 year olds and, uh, you know, 20, 30 year olds in the financial like realm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like goals, like what, uh, like what, somebody should have or what yeah what, what do you what, what's your best piece of advice for like a, a 25 to 35 year old like starting out with their you know they're they're young in their career path they they're trying to work their way up like what what do they need to do what to set them up for success for financial like wealth in a sense yeah no i mean i think no number one is you know, and this, there's tons of things, okay? But number one, I think you got to find a job that you enjoy because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to you're not gonna grow in it. You're not going to, you know, climb up the ladder. You're not going to have success. Um, you got to find something you enjoy and, and really can thrive in. Um, and that's obviously number one because that's going to bring, obviously, the financial um, piece in the picture. Um, you know, 
two would be look at, you know, there's more than just the dollar amount. I mean, it's time off important. There's so many different things. I mean, in life, it's like, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So, you know, are you going to work one job that makes you work, you know, 60 hours a week, but you get 10,000 extra dollars. Like there's so many things to look at for sure. And choosing a job, but that's important. Um, but then it's, I think budget is huge. I mean, that's the, I think the biggest thing that, and this is any age, you know, there's, if you can understand what's coming in each month and what's going out, um, you can set yourself up. I mean, you could, you can make 20,000 less than the next guy, but that next, if that next guy doesn't budget, you're probably going to be in a better position, um, you know, when you get to that retirement age. And so budgeting is huge. And that's something that, you know, we try to coach our clients on is, you know, you necessarily don't have to like live and die by the budget per se. Um, but as long as you kind of understand, okay, the, you know, what's the implications, if I end up taking this, do this trip or, you know, spend this money, at least you kind of understand, okay, that was my budget. I'm a little bit over maybe next month. I won't spend as much, you know? So it's not that you have to live and die by it, but it's just understanding that's huge because that will help you understand, Hey, I can, if I want to save this much each month, well, now you understand the budget. You said, okay, I can, you know, have this wiggle room to kind of save here or there. So I would say that's, that's probably the most important thing. And, And talking, if you're married, having a conversation with, you know, your, your spouse, because you got to be on the same page. Money's, you know, really probably the worst. Um, if you're not on the same page with money, I mean, I think that's the biggest reason for divorces for sure. Um, but it's just going to be a, a thorn in both of your sides. If you guys at least don't have a conversation about it and have somewhat of the same, you know, idea or plan. Yeah, yeah for sure. How, what, what are you seeing? Like how has the pandemic affected, um, people's mindsets uh, when it comes to investing and planning for the future? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's brought a lot of people into it. You know, I don't know how many, how many of these individuals have been successful with the last, you know, we say six months or whatever. Obviously there's been a big um, drop. Um, and, 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 you know, I would say the majority of, um, you know, some of these investments, but, um, I think it's been kind of cool to see, you know, people been at home, been able to get on like Robinhood and, and E-Trade and all these, you know, TD Ameritrade, all these other trading firms where you can, you know, buy and trade stocks. So it's been kind of cool to see like young kids. I mean, shoot, it would be high schoolers that are like, Oh yeah, I just, you know, bought a Dogecoin or, you know, whatever. Um, just to see like, you know, they're actually more interested in it. Um, you know, I think, in, you know, now it's just learning. I mean, you know, okay, did I buy at the wrong time or whatnot? Mm-hmm. Did I look for the right company? But I think it's kind of exciting to have at least, you know, individuals being a little bit more, um, I guess it's just a little bit more around now than it used to be. You know, I think beforehand it was like, you know, not, not anybody, nobody really talked about it, especially the younger generation didn't really know much about it. I think that's kind of brought that to the forefront, which I think is good. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've always been a big fan of the, you know, have the three month salary slush fund. Is that is that something yeah. you uh you you kind of preach to your your yeah, clients? For sure. Yeah, we always say three to six months, and, three, you six know, somewhere months. in that window just to have anything over you know that you know it's like okay now it's time to start you know putting it somewhere to work for you. But you know I think that gives people um, yeah even just the ability to go about work and everyday life, not having to worry. I think that's the biggest thing that way you're not, you know, trying, you know, worrying about where's the next, you know, month's rent coming from or whatever. You kind of want to have that um, set aside so that you can just go about, you know, your daily life. And as things happens, which they always do, I mean, that's kind of our life, um, you know, stuff happens in our world and you might lose a job or you get sick or this happens and you kind of need something there for sure that, that you can access if you need to. 
Is there any is there anything that comes to mind as far as like advice that people maybe have been provided their entire life that you would say, don't do that? You know what I mean? Like growing up, they're like, you know, buy bonds or buy or whatever, you know, is there, is there something like that that comes to mind? It's like, like, what do you think about like precious metals, gold and silver and stuff like that? Is that a good investment at this point in time or maybe not so much? Or is it good to be diversified? You know, I think the, I think the biggest thing, um, you know, I don't, I don't even know, you know, legally if I can give advice on that type of stuff, because it really comes down to individuals yeah. in that sense. I will, what I will say is I think, you know, if I, I think just for myself, you know, can I, can I build something? Can I go build a house or build a, you know, a whatever, a little hunting shed? Yeah, I could probably do it, but is my builder going to do a better job for sure? Um, and so I think, you know, I think that's in every, you know, stage of life. Like, yeah, you could probably do something, but, you know, I think there's times where it's like, okay, is it worth, you know, getting a second opinion or worth, um, you know, paying the extra. I mean, you'd hope if you're with somebody that does a good job, um, is knowledgeable and cares about you and, and makes the right moves. Um, you know, you think like that fee, whatever that may be is going to end up, you know, being diminished and you'll probably make more money in the long run just by talking with somebody. Um, you know, whether that's just, you know, even, even just with taxes, I mean, I think about taxes, okay, I could do it myself probably for sure. But if I work with the tax guy, they might say, okay, hey, you know, one piece of advice might save me that whole cost that it, it take, you know, for me to take my, my um, accounts there or whatever. So I think it's important, like in anything you do, I mean, you know, yeah, you got to be cognizant of where you're going and who you're going with. But I think it is important to have a second opinion. Um, and like I said, that's not just the financial world. That's, you know, anything you do. I mean, it's, I think it's important. That's why you pay for stuff because it's, you know, if the person's doing a good job, they should um, be well worth their, their weight in gold. What industries are you seeing opportunities then? Like from, uh, you, you know, you talked a little bit about the correction that was made and there's a, there's a boom. And I want to be careful because I understand like with the licenses and stuff, um, but like what type of industries are you seeing or, or that interest you from an investment standpoint? Yeah. I mean, there, there are some for sure. I, I got it. I, I don't know exactly what we can get into um, because if somebody takes, Oh, he said, do this. I got to come yeah, back. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some changes for sure in the market and there's, you know, obviously some that have been hit harder than others and some that are up right now. Now. Okay. Is it, Oh, since something's down a certain percent, is that a good time to get in? I mean, you know, that's not always the case. Um, you know, there's some that, so I, I don't know if we can really get into yeah. specifics on sure. that. Um, I know there's some, you know, there's regulations on what you can say. Cause if somebody was listening to what I said, then they, you know, it's like, if I don't know their situation, I could get in trouble yeah, yeah. or whatever. So I don't really want to get yeah. into that. We want to keep you, we want to keep you a clean broker check. <laughs> for sure. That, right? is, that is the worst thing. <laughs> yeah. Clean broker <laughs> check for Jared. Right. My kids grew up on uh, lottery tickets and money from the swear jar. Oh, there you <laughs> oh, go. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm so glad I don't have a swear jar. I'd be that, so that broke. A, that was the foundation <laughs> of uh, yeah their, their financial uh, education. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's uh, awesome. Now you kind of mentioned it with your playing career and now your financial career. You've you've given us a few words of wisdom here and there, but uh, do you have a specific mantra that you live by? Huh you know, I think if I, if I think I look back at my life, I think the biggest thing, and really this was kind of taught to me through my injury, my sophomore year in high school. Um, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, I think, 
you're not ever going to know exactly what that is until a couple, you know, years down the road. Um, but I think if you can, you know, get through those tough times, you know, in your life, um, you know, like there's, there was a reason for that. Now, whether that said, okay, maybe that was a career change or maybe that just, you know, educate you on certain things and you were able to be successful because of that. Like, I, I think as long as you're looking, um, as long as you're, for me, as long as I was pursuing Christ and like doing my best, um, you know, through any downtime or, or tough time, I think, and trying to get through it, I always came out better. And so, you know, I think that's something in my life where whether I don't know why something's happening, um, it's like, I know there's a reason I just got to get through it. And when I look back, I'll be like, man, I'm glad I went through that because I learned so much. So I think that's, that's been key for me just in every scenario. I mean, through getting cut from the Packers, it's like, that's not a fun, you know, fun situation to go through, but um, you know, obviously there's a reason for that and it kind of put me in a different situation. And so, um, you know, there's, it's not always easy, but uh, that's helped me get through a lot of tough times in my life, knowing that there's a bigger purpose for, you know, what's going on. Yep. Well Absolutely. said, Jared. That's awesome. Um, that's about all we got, I think. I mean, uh, you guys got anything else, Connor? No, I don't have anything no? right now. No. Shoots? Just, I, I've been thinking about this the entire time. Behind Jared, he's got his Wisconsin jerseys. And yeah, uh, looks I like know, he was called. number four. Uh-huh. Yeah. You didn't get that number with the Packers, did you? <laughs> nope. No, I didn't get that. But even awesome. then, when I played, we, we couldn't even have single digits. So they gave me 84. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Gotcha. They used to, I mean, when I played in the NFL, they had the, you know, you had to be a certain number. I think you had to be in like the 80s or the teens for a receiver. Um, now, obviously, they can, you know. Yeah, they throw that out the window. Want. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else, Jared? I mean, anything else uh, maybe you want to get out there that we haven't touched on? No, it was, it was fun talking with you guys. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it was, it was good, good, uh, good talk. Yep, for sure. Appreciate you being here. Um, a lot of good messages shared. So we, we, uh, we can't thank you enough. Absolutely. Thank you very thank much. You. All right. Let's put a bow on this one, as they say, boys. Wow. That's what happens when you got a rookie behind the soundboard, right? (laughs) Hey, great job, guys. Adding value, making friends. That's what it's all about. Thanks again for listening and to our loyal friends of the program, just like Extreme Aerial Production for believing in us. Um, Be sure to mention you're a geoholic when you reach out to them for the exclusive listener promotions that all of them have. Download the freshly updated Geoholics app from LandSpreadersUnited.com. Send us an email at info at the if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. Last but not least, pay it forward, add value, make friends, big and rich, save a horse, ride a cowboy, available everywhere. Until next time, everyone, everything happens for a reason, and most importantly, be safe and healthy. Ride shoots. Thank you to our 2022 friends of the program. Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com. Airworks, airworks.io. Bad Elf, bad-elf.com. Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com. Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com. Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com. 
Get kids into survey, get kids into survey.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz. Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com. Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com. North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com. ProStar Corporation, ProStarCorp.com. Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us. Topodot, new.certainty3d.com. And finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.